Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, providing oral health solutions with Invisalign for dentists and hygienists with Lauren Gates and Dr. Ben Moralia. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Please note, you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. Today's program will be archived in its entirety on the Education tab of the Invisalign Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce both of our speakers today. Dr. Ben Morali has been providing Invisalign treatment to patients at his Mount Kisco private practice for more than 10 years. Since 2008, he's been an Invisalign faculty member speaking internationally to thousands of dentists. Recently honored with a position on the President's Council of Northern Westchester Hospital in Mount Kisco, New York, Dr. Moralia is also on the Board of Directors for the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics and the American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry. He's a graduate of the State University of New York at Buffalo School of Dental Medicine and is a member of the Omicron Kappa Epsilon Dental Honor Society. Dr. Moralia completed a general practice residency program at Danbury Hospital in Connecticut. Lauren Gates, a dental hygienist of 20-plus years and a recipient of the 2010 RDH Sunstar Award of Distinction, lectures nationally to health professionals on comprehensive care and oral systemic links. Lauren received her degree from the State University of New York at Farmingdale in 1991 and postgraduate training in myofunctional therapy through the AOMT in 2013. Lauren is a published author and has been on WNBC, WABC, and the Colgate Oral Health Network, raising awareness about diabetes and oral health. She is passionate about the perio-ortho connection and the health benefits of aligned teeth, thus enjoying her role as hygiene education manager for Align Technology. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Lauren. Lauren, you now have the floor. Thank you, Dave, and thank you all for joining us today. It's always a thrill and a privilege to present with my co-host, Dr. Moralia. We are both looking forward to sharing our philosophies and best practices with you to help incorporate Invisalign therapy as an oral health solution for your patients. Thank you very much, Lauren, and also thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here, and what a wonderful opportunity to speak with doctors and hygienists as a team. Today, we'll be reviewing some of the ortho 101, as I like to call it, and also how to assess if our patients would benefit from orthodontics via Invisalign clear liner therapy. We also want to apply a problem-consequence-solution model to be effectively communicating with our patients on the health benefits of Invisalign therapy as a solution for your patients. We want to establish orthodontics as part of a prevention plan versus a treatment plan, and we want to create an action plan to provide Invisalign as an oral health solution in your office. The team approach is key in patient engagement. All team members need to be on board with consistent messaging when they evaluate, educate, and most importantly, engage with their patients. Dr. Moralia and his team exemplifies this team approach leading to great success in getting patients to understand the value of what is being taught or recommended. Lauren, I agree completely. Uh, in our office, Invisalign is, as we call it, in the air. And so we think it, we breathe it, we feel it, and it's really pervasive throughout the day in our practice. And it begins with everyone from the moment the patient walks in the door. Our entire team is on the same philosophy and messaging, and the two biggest players are the hygienists and the doctors. Great. So our overall objective today, if really, really had one agenda, would be for you to see ortho as part of comprehensive care, not an afterthought. 
Absolutely. And we're looking to focus in on how to make the orthodontics part of comprehensive care. And that would include incorporating ortho into just about every case you see. Most of the patients that we see for restorative and periodontal needs could benefit from orthodontics. And the reality is some of the restorative and periodontal needs that we're attending to are due to some sort of a malocclusion they probably had when they got to you. So let's talk a little bit about the arch shape and how it's relevant to what we see in everyday dentistry. Tell me, Dr. Moralia, how many patients have you seen with crooked teeth? Well, the answer, surprisingly, is none. And it's not that we see the crooked teeth. It's do we see the arch shape or the arch form? And it turns out the arch form or the arch shape, as we're referring to and you're seeing on the slides, that can vary. And having someone present with a V-shape or a square shape or an omega-shaped arch is really what starts to contribute to what we're seeing as crowded teeth. It's also important for patients to realize this as well, so they can focus on the problem, not the symptoms. Many patients just think they're stuck with crooked teeth for a lifetime, not realizing that they do have options to change the arch form. Well, speaking of malocclusion, we really need to do a quick review on Ortho 101, because many times our view of malocclusion may be different or tainted from what we learned in school. Because personally, in hygiene school, when I was learning about malocclusion, we really focused mainly on that sagittal dimension, that angles classification system, focusing on class one, class two, and class three. And certainly in the GP arena, we tend to get stuck right on the angle classification, and we're focusing on the class one, the class two, the class three, and that may have been the extent of our orthodontic education. But what we learned through Invisalign and additional training is that there's a little bit more to just the class one, two, and three. There's a bigger picture. And for today's purposes, we'll be focusing more on the transverse or horizontal dimensions and also the vertical. So when we're talking about the transverse dimension or horizontal dimension, a lot of this research comes from a Dr. James McNamara out of the University of Michigan. And what he taught us through his growth and development studies was that if an adult grows normally and lands kind of all of the teeth where they belong, they tend to have a certain width of the upper arch. And his simple transverse measurement or McNamara measurement was the distance between the upper first molars. And when he was measuring between the upper first molars, he recognized that the adults that had the most stable of occlusions and the uh, teeth that were exactly where they belonged, so to speak, had about an average of 36 millimeters between their upper first molars. So hygienists, don't worry, we don't need to bend our patients over backwards and apply a ruler in between the lingual of their first molars. I'm happy to share Dr. Morales' trick, which is the cotton roll trick. So we all have a cotton roll on our bracket tray. Let's use that because the cotton roll is about 36 millimeters. So that should fit really in nicely if there's sufficient arch space for that cotton roll to land between the linguals of the first molars. If that cotton roll does not fit, then we know that there's insufficient space, probably leading to more of a narrow or an omega arch, which we'll talk about in a moment. So then if we don't have crooked teeth, what is the cause of the crowded teeth or so-called crooked teeth, Dr. Moralia? Well, the big three for me when I see crowding, and that tends to be what we focus right in on. You know, we ask our patients to open our mouths. That's the first thing we ask them. Open up, open up, open wide. And next thing we see are these crowded front or anterior teeth. And really what we're looking for is, you know, how did they get there? And I look for the big three, which for me is the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination. So when we're talking about a proper versus an improper buccolingual inclination, it's fancy words, but it's a very simple concept. If the back teeth are completely vertical and upright, we label that as a proper buccolingual inclination. And it has to do with the tip or the lean that the teeth have towards the tongue. On the left side of the screen, you'll see a photograph of a patient that has proper buccolingual inclination, meaning all of the back teeth are 
mostly upright and vertical. And as the teeth come together, that tends to transmit vertical force through the teeth, whereas the patient on the right side of the screen has back teeth that are leaning in towards the tongue, and that lean towards the tongue is really labeled as or diagnosed as an improper or poor buccolingual inclination. The difference between the two is that with the poor buccolingual inclination, that patient bites down into a malocclusion that produces horizontal force on the teeth, not vertical. Now, as far as the difference between horizontal and vertical force, this schematic shows us the difference between what would be an appropriate or vertical force on the teeth and then an improper force or horizontal force on the teeth. The beginnings of occlusal traumatism were brought about by Dr. Pete Dawson, and it's appropriate for back teeth to undergo vertical force and have that force transmitted directly into the surrounding bone versus horizontal force, which tends to put a bending motion on the teeth. A long time ago, Dr. Pete Dawson began to describe occlusal traumatism with this photograph. And this is from one of the early textbooks of occlusion that he put out in about 1971. This photograph exists on, I want to say, page 52 in his textbook, where he had these two little construction workers working on the teeth. And obviously, on diagram A, he labeled it occlusal traumatism, which was a horizontal force applied to that tooth, which will cause damage or destruction. So, the occlusal traumatism can result in trouble in any of the arenas that we're studying, whether it's the teeth, the gums, the bone, the jaw joint, or the muscles. Horizontal force on teeth produces damage or destruction over time, whereas he recognized an axial force, which is what he was using at the time, the word axial. It just means vertical. Vertical force on the teeth delivers occlusal health, and what comes with that is health of the tooth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joint, and the muscles. So with vertical force, we get health, comfort, stability, and longevity. It's with the horizontal force that we get some sort of deterioration of, again, the teeth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joint, and the muscles, and it happens over time. This article is a great article demonstrating just what Dr. Marley was speaking about. Nicole Dickey had written an article called Non-Carious Class 5 Lesions, What's Really Going On? And I actually use this as a chairside tool with my patients to demonstrate the damages of these horizontal forces. Look at the subgingival abfraction of the extracted premolar in the lower right corner. This is caused by the combined forces of a posterior tongue thrust plus the coupling of the traumatic occlusion over time. Obviously, this could not be tooth abrasion if it's subgingival. As hygienists, we really need to identify the cause of these non-carious lesions. Is it really toothbrush abrasion? We need to focus on the positioning of the teeth and how that relates to the disease process. Yes, Lauren, many of the abfracted areas that we see in the mouth have an amount of recession there, but the reality is that most of the abfracted areas begin subgingival and then the tissue goes second. So we now know that with the nice research, the abfraction, these lesions that are forming are the result of the horizontal force that's placed on the tooth, and it's a very destructive force. And the teeth, while they are kind of rigid structures, they can flex, and the flexing occurs right at the crest of the bone, and just a little bit above the crest of the bone is where you see in the diagram how the microfracturing of the enamel and the dent in there will lead to the abfractive formation. And the idea is, if we're treating a patient younger, if we recognize these issues of horizontal force being damaging versus vertical force being protective, if we treat the patient at a younger age, we have the opportunity to prevent the future damage of the abfraction and the recession versus treating them older, which is still a benefit because at least we can slow down or stop the process from occurring and becoming worse over time. 
So here's the definition of the abfractions, and they are non-carious class 5 lesions. But as Dr. Moralia just said, let's prevent this from happening. Abfractions take time. It doesn't happen overnight. So some clues that we want to look for are craze lines, like you can see in the picture on the left, clefting, recession. Our goal, especially as hygienists, is to prevent this from happening rather than waiting and watching as it progresses over time. Luckily for this patient, Dr. Moralia knew the benefits of taking teeth out of trauma and putting teeth in the proper place by removing those forces. Dr. Moralia, can you elaborate on this case? Yes, this is a very nice young lady. Hillary is her name. And when she presented to us, we could see here on her left buccal view, her teeth are leaning in. And so we would definitely assign improper buccal lingual inclination as a diagnosis for the way the back teeth are leaning towards the tongue. But secondary to the improper buccal lingual inclination is that these teeth are under horizontal force or a traumatic occlusion, and it's taking a toll on her. So even at a young age of about 46 years old, she has recession, she has abfraction, and there's even some gingival clefting beginning. So certainly our goal is to have the normal routine of hygiene maintenance. So scaling and replaning is always in order, but followed by a treatment option that would provide a solution for what's happening. And if we're going to be treating the clefting and the recession and the abfraction, if we're working on the cause of the problem, then we have to address that horizontal force. And the way to attack the cause of the problem is to change the horizontal force to vertical. And that's what you're seeing happening in these two photographs. The right side shows the photograph after Invisalign treatment, which has the posterior teeth now expanded or tipped upright. And as the buccal lingual inclination is corrected, what we've changed is the left side of the screen, a horizontal force on all of those back teeth to the right side of the screen showing vertical force. And in the course of that treatment with Invisalign, delivering vertical force to the teeth ends up helping resolve the clefting. Some of the recession has improved, especially around tooth number 11 and 12, as well as the 19 and 20 and 21 area. And what's happening there is tissues will heal if you change the force from horizontal to vertical. So this Invisalign here provided a wonderful service to aid in treating some of the periodontal changes that were occurring. And as hygienists, I may add that I'm much more comfortable waiting and watching in the after photo on the right compared to the photo on the left, because if we're just waiting and watching on the left, we're waiting and watching for this condition to get worse over time. Let's take a look at another case demonstrating the benefits of proper tooth alignment, also by Dr. Moralia. Please tell us a little bit about this case. So when we met Sandra, she had come in as a consultation for Invisalign. She was looking for it, but she was told she was not a candidate for Invisalign. And so that pushed her through several consultations, and she, we finally met her. And she has a fair malocclusion on her hands here, and the teeth numbers 3, 4, and 5 are very well out of position. And 4 and 5 are actually in a buccal crossbite, and what's happening there is the lingual cusp is outside of the lower arch. So it's a perfect example of horizontal force. It doesn't get any more direct than this would. As Sandra closes her teeth together, teeth four and five, as well as the lower, the 28 and 29, those premolars are almost in a direct horizontal force every time they occlude. So with that type of malocclusion, we could expect to see some deterioration, and she does have the recession and the abfractive lesions on the buckles. So certainly, it's easy to see, well, maybe I should put some composite or a graft there. But the difference is tremendous. If we're placing a composite in a graft, which I'm not opposed to those types of treatments, but they're not treating the cause, they're treating the symptoms. So more appropriately, what I'd like to do is offer a tooth movement option where we could solve the malocclusion. Because if we could use clear aligner therapy, 
give the patient Invisalign to basically reposition the teeth to take away the horizontal force and develop the vertical force on those teeth, we could have a transition from the before and after you're looking at. This is something that took only 24 aligners, which is a 12-month time period. So in 12 months' time, we could have a so-called healthy, stable, functional, beautiful occlusion, but have a little resolution of that receded area. The end result is that six years later, Sandra has still never had a composite or a graft put into any of those areas, and there's no sensitivity or change. And the idea there is the horizontal force was changed to vertical. The vertical force is protective of the teeth, the gum, and the bone. And having a beautiful vertical force without any posterior interference is a solution to the problem it treats the cause. So now, would your patients benefit from proper tooth alignment? So that's the main question. So every time we're meeting a new patient, we're trying to pay attention to that question. Would our patient benefit from proper tooth alignment? The statistics are overwhelming. Obviously, most of the adult patients we see have some sort of malocclusion with some crowding or spacing. So there's ample opportunity to answer that in the affirmative. So what we're looking at is always addressing a patient's chief complaint. It's important to listen to the patient. Patients will have ways to describe their teeth and their bite to you that will absolutely give you clues towards whether or not there's a malocclusion behind some of the so-called descriptions and or symptoms the patient might be delivering. Some examples of what the patient might be saying is, my teeth are cold sensitive, my teeth are hot sensitive, I have receding gums, I have some sort of a lisp, I'm biting my cheek, I'm biting my tongue. Food's getting stuck between my back teeth. My floss doesn't get in, it's shredding. Or it could be the cosmetic, which means the patient would say, I'm unhappy with my smile. You know, my teeth are not in the right place. I'm not happy with the smile. It's not the best smile I could have. All of this information really translates into what should be ringing in our head as the professional is that the patient has some sort of malocclusion. Diagnosing the cause. If the patient has some sort of malocclusion, it's important to understand the cause. And that brings me back to the big three. And I like to refer to them as arch form, arch width, and buccolingual inclination. Most of the time, the difference between having a good occlusion and a malocclusion is the arch form, the arch width, and the buccolingual inclination. Those are the, probably the most important things for me to solve for a patient. So now, evaluating them. Well, to evaluate a proper arch form, we're looking for a broad, wide letter U or a broad, wide dome. I like to refer to it as a dome sometimes, and people register the difference between having a Gothic arch or a Roman arch. And a Gothic arch is kind of pointy, and a Roman arch is a broad, wide dome. So the arch form that we're looking for is always in the form of a broad, wide dome. The arch width, as Lauren was pointing out, is easily assessed with a cotton roll. We certainly can open up a ClinCheck and look at a measurement, but prior to that, when we have our patient in our chair... We don't necessarily have to get out a millimeter ruler and make that measurement. A cotton roll will give you a very good idea whether or not you're dealing with someone who has a narrow arch, an average arch, or a wide arch, with that number of 36 millimeters giving you a rough average number. Below 36, you would probably be talking about a narrow arch. And then, of course, the buccolingual inclination. Does the patient have the back teeth leaning towards the tongue? And the more they lean towards the tongue, the more horizontal force is introduced. And so we're focusing on the arch form, the arch width, and the buccolingual inclination, so that we could diagnose the cause and treat the cause of the problem and improve that occlusion. Now, for checking the occlusion, Lauren's come up with a fantastic way to do that, and it's called CLAWS, and I'm going to let her explain that to you. Sure. They're actually clues. It's five clues just to help you be aware of the potential for malocclusion. And the first claw would be clefting, then lingual inclination, abfractions, 
wearing, and shifting. So these are great clues that we see every day in our patients to help us realize that this may be a malocclusion issue and not another type of condition. Another trick I like to instill would be, are the teeth sliding or colliding? Are the teeth in trauma? So we'll be reviewing that today in great detail with our patient education tips. So we figured out that my patients would benefit from proper tooth alignment as clinicians. Now, how do we get our patients on board? How do we get our patients engaged? After we identified the problem being malpositioned teeth causing malocclusion, we need to show them and tell them the problem. Literally show them how their teeth are colliding rather than sliding. Then we want to discuss the consequences of malocclusion out of our concern. So share your concern with them. I would say something like, this concerns me because, and then I like to have an action word that usually ends in the three letters I-N-G, like receding, wearing, fracturing, all those consequences of malocclusion that lead to hard and soft tissue damage. And of course, we want to offer a solution to our patients, right? So we really say we really need to consider taking the teeth out of trauma and getting teeth properly aligned. Luckily, we can do this with clear aligner therapy. You may have heard of Invisalign. Then we want to reinforce the value of treating the problem, not the symptom. Let's focus on prevention plans versus treatment plans because teeth that fit together properly last longer, requiring less costly dentistry in the future. So the next part of this webinar, I'm really excited and thankful for Dr. Moralia joining us today to present these cases, demonstrating on how you can tell if your patients would benefit from proper tooth alignment and how to educate your patients to get them to understand the value of proper tooth alignment. We will start with Dana. Dr. Morali, tell us a little bit about Dana and what her chief complaint was when she first came to you. Yes, yeah, so Dana, 59 years young, and when she gets to us, she has a chief complaint, and it's not a complaint based on a symptom or a pain, but rather knowing that she had old fillings and old crowns in her mouth. And some of her fillings date back to the teenage years, and she knows that they've been in there for quite some time, and she's expecting to have to kind of replace or and or change the dentistry that was done as a younger patient. She has a crown or two that might have been done during the college years, but she doesn't have much recollection of that because it's a little while ago, and she couldn't really pinpoint. But we know we have decades with the dentistry that's in there. So our concern is certainly at age 59, we're kind of young, we have a long way to go, are we going to get three or three and a half more decades out of the existing dentistry that's there? So we would have an interest, like anybody else in dentistry, I'd love to do my fair share of crown and bridge and inlay and onlay and porcelain and ceramic and dentistry, but I try to consider whether or not I should be doing that secondary to alignment of the teeth to get a better restorative model for myself. And so when we look at Dana initially, obviously an attractive young lady, but she does have a bit of a deep bite, so we're hiding some of those lower teeth. So recognizing that the deep bite begins the process of that malocclusion kind of starting to trigger, I know that's not the perfect bite. And do I want to be putting my dentistry into harm's way? Because this is the type of bite or malocclusion that will cause some deterioration over time. And not only the teeth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joints, the muscles, but the dentistry is also subject to wear and tear if it's put into an occlusion that's not so-called perfect. So as we're looking at the photographs, we recognize not only does Dana have a slightly deep bite, she also has the improper arch form, the improper arch width, and the improper buccal lingual inclination. And again, focusing on those three items really kind of keep us onto the cause highway. So we're really trying to treat the cause of our problem versus the symptoms of our problem. So while, again, I like to do my share of dentistry and I'm happy to replace the dentistry, I can't wait to get at some of these inlays and onlays and porcelain and ceramic work that we can do. It's all going to be fun dentistry. But if I had my choice, I would much rather have these teeth where they belong. 
so-called, in the proper occlusion so that my dentistry could be a little more excellent. But what happens here is we have teeth that don't have mesial and distal contacts that are accurate or appropriate. We have teeth that have gum tissue that has a little bit of swelling and or puffiness around them. There are some fours and fives in our perio chart with a little bit of bleeding, in particular around that tooth numbers 12, 13, and 14 area. And then when we're looking at this as a restorative case, we would have to do our restorative dentistry with these teeth in the positions that they're in. So the goal would be to ask ourselves that question, would Dana benefit from proper tooth alignment? And the answer is yes. If we're looking at the right and left views, we can see she has a class one malocclusion. So we label it a class one malocclusion because having a class one doesn't necessarily mean you have a good occlusion or a healthy, stable, functional occlusion. So we would want to diagnose this as a class one malocclusion, and we have an improper arch form, an improper arch width, an improper buccal lingual inclination. All of that adds up to her teeth are colliding when they come together, and they are in a traumatic occlusion. And so the idea there is if we're going to deliver an occlusion that has horizontal force on the teeth, it's going to deteriorate over time versus a vertical force, which is very supportive and protective over time. So our goal here is to talk to Dana a little bit about what proper tooth alignment would mean for her. So now that we've decided that Dana, yes, she would benefit from proper tooth alignment, let's get Dana on board. But first, I want to point out this great view that we have just by using the anterior view. There's a lot you can see when you do what I call the one-second ortho exam, and that is just having the patient close. So you can see from this view, from Dana, from the anterior view, there's a lot we can decipher just by putting our ortho goggles on. We can see that there is that vertical discrepancy. We can see again that the teeth are colliding, not sliding. There's a lot we can see just by having that patient close and taking a look. So does this concern you when you see things like this, when you see crazed lines and when you see some gingival issues caused by traumatic occlusion? Let's get Dana on board now by showing and telling our concerns and trying out an ING, a thing or two. Let's take a closer look. So if Dana is in the hygiene chair, think about what are your genuine concerns. Try to see the after. Try to envision how the teeth should be. If you notice the before picture, you'll see the problem of that lingual inclination. Try to picture the teeth upright in your mind to see the after and try to relay that to Dana by showing and telling. So I would say something like this to Dana. First, I'd want to identify the problem. I would say to Dana, Dana, I know you shared with Dr. Moralia that you wanted to change some of your old fillings, but I want to share my concerns with you. I notice some of your teeth are tilting in a bit towards your tongue. See how my probe is tilting in? And I would place the probe along tooth number four, along the long axis of the tooth. And I would show there how it's about at 11 o'clock compared to upright at about 12 o'clock. And I would further go on and say this concerns me because when you bite down or every time you swallow, it is causing extra stress on your teeth and gums because your teeth are colliding rather than sliding. Then I'd show Dana this. It's great to actually show the bite. Sometimes if you show the trauma, it's a little bit more effective than the pictures because in the pictures, they're two-dimensional. You can't hit the pictures together, right? But the patient can actually see their jaw and they can see the trauma. So I like to show the colliding with a mirror so you can see it actually happening. You may want to introduce that shoebox analogy that I've talked about in the hygiene webinar, where the upper teeth should be sliding over the lower teeth. And when they're tilting in, they do not slide, they collide. And show her, see? Have the patient bite down and show this in the mirror. Now I would say this concerns me because your teeth are fracturing and you have isolated gingivitis due to excessive trauma. This can lead to premature wear and periodontitis if left in trauma. 
we really need to consider taking your teeth out of trauma and putting them in the proper tooth alignment to avoid further wear and periodontal disease. Luckily, we can do this with clear aligner therapy. You may have heard of Invisalign. And this is where then I would talk a little bit more about Invisalign once Dana was on board and what I refer to as the bib off conversations, which again, I'm going to encourage you to watch that in the hygiene archived webinar. So in the next picture here, I would also tell Dana, this concerns me because you see how your tissue is inflamed here. And I would point out tooth number 13 in the before picture. And I would inform her that this is not due to your lack of home care. This is due to trauma, causing constant inflammation, causing pocketing, which is the same as an ulcer or a wound. It's just not healthy. This is not a gum problem. This is a bite problem causing a gum problem. Once we put your teeth in the proper position, your gums will be healthy again. These are great conversations that are happening between our hygienists and patients like Dana, and then I tend to reinforce it, and it's similar but slightly different verbiage, and I like to describe a difference between a good bite and a bad bite to the patients. In our professional world, hygienists and dentists use the word malocclusion when we're talking to each other, but we've found that malocclusion is not a very good word to be talking to the patients about, and that's not a word that we can use to educate a patient. So I changed it or kind of shrunk it down to the good bite versus the bad bite, and so the idea there is I teach a patient that our teeth were designed to be in a certain place and come together and connect a certain way. And when they do, we call that a good bite. So if our teeth are where they belong and connecting appropriately, the good bite is protective, meaning that you can eat the food, destroy the food, go ahead, have the hardest diet you like. You can chew the food and what happens is the teeth will protect each other. They'll protect the gums, the bone, the jaw joint, the muscles, and the dentistry. Now, there's a difference between a good bite and a bad bite. When the teeth are not where they belong and they're not connecting appropriately, and in our world, that's the difference between horizontal and vertical force, we get that malocclusion. But for the patient, having a bad bite would be described as if the teeth are not connecting appropriately, we consider that a bad bite. And if the teeth are touching each other where they shouldn't, all of a sudden, we do get a level of destruction. So while we might call a good bite protective, we would describe a bad bite as being destructive. And that means that while we get to eat the food, we certainly have the ability to chew our food with a bad bite. But that bad bite being destructive refers to what's happening to the teeth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joint, the muscles, and last but not least, the dentistry that we're doing. So when we teach Dana the difference about the good bite, bad bite, and the fact that we're going to be doing some new dentistry and putting in restorations to replace the old dentistry there, I would prefer to do it in a position where the teeth belonged, meaning they were connecting in a way that registers a good bite for her. And what it does is it increases the longevity of my dentistry as well as her teeth, gum, bone, jaw joint, and muscles. And that's really how we put that pathway in place of Dana understanding that there's more of a need to have those teeth connecting appropriately and what you could recognize in a photograph like this is there's been an improvement in the periodontal status of that patient when we're looking at tooth number 13 and its initial kind of puffy and or five millimeter with bleeding pocketing there versus the after shows how nice and tight and stippled and pink that tissue is. So we have a nice improvement periodontally and we haven't done any restorative dentistry yet. So the old amalgams are still in those teeth there, but just having the leveling, aligning, the uprighting, the solving of the arch form and arch width and buccolingual inclination can produce a very nice positive response to the gum tissue. And this type of communication between doctor and hygienist is really key and crucial for the patient to develop that trust and engage and feel cared for by having that consistent messaging. If we have the time to go over photos with our patients, which hopefully we do as hygienists, I love to share the occlusal photos as well. And I would say something like this to Dana looking at her arch form. 
I would say this concerns me because notice how your teeth are shifting. And I would point out that she has an omega arch. I would probably trace around it if I could just to kind of show her how it kind of goes in and out like the omega sign. What I tried to do is have the patient try to envision the after. Have the patient try to envision that arch form as a beautiful you or as a nice round dome, as Dr. Moralia would say, and perhaps show some pictures demonstrating from an omega shape to a U shape. I like to try to see the after, and I kind of share the analogy, almost like the Property Brothers on HGTV, right? They go into a house and they kind of see how it is, but they envision the after. They see what that house could be. That's what I try to get our patients to do as well, and that usually resonates with them and hits home. So as you can see, Dana did benefit from Invisalign therapy, and thanks to Dr. Moralia, by treating this case comprehensively, by providing orthodontic solutions, she is in good health and set up for a lifetime of success and minimal dentistry. So congratulations, Dr. Moralia, on this case. I appreciate that, Lauren. And it turns out, even though Dana didn't kind of come in asking to have Invisalign, she was very happy to have it. For her to see the difference in the photographs after we were done, she was appreciative of the education. She was appreciative of the treatment and was very happy to have the Invisalign prior to doing the dentistry over in her mouth. It was not a hardship for her to go through that once she understood the benefits. On Dana's ClinCheck, what we'll notice is exactly what we identified in the mouth, an improper arch form, an improper arch width, an improper buccal lingual inclination. In addressing these issues, what we'll see is the expansion and transition of Dana to a proper arch form, proper arch width, and proper buccal lingual inclination. The change or transformation that you see on the ClinCheck is going to allow her teeth to come together appropriately and basically change her from having that poor or bad bite that we were describing to a beautiful, healthy bite that can offer her longevity and stability and health and comfort and a beautiful smile. And at the end, obviously, you can see we have a healthy and happy patient. The result of the case is that it takes 30 aligners, which is a 15-month time frame. So for Dana, having to go through 15 months of Invisalign to produce a beautiful occlusion that now offers health and stability and function and protection of any of the dentistry we'd like to do is a fantastic opportunity for her. And also what comes out of it is that we're now set up for success because having a healthier gum tissue around those teeth, having a beautiful occlusion allows us to deliver as lifelike and as restoratively accurate restoration as we possibly could for a patient like Dana. Let's take a look at this next case study, Chavez, age 17. Dr. Moralia, tell us a little bit about Chavez. Certainly. So what a handsome young man. So we meet Chavez at about 17 years old, and he comes into the practice with his dad as well. Very nice people, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And sure enough, his concern is his smile. And so Chavez, upon x-ray and review of all the diagnostics, didn't really need restorative dentistry or periodontal treatment right now. At a young age, really his big concern was the aesthetics. And certainly from his photograph, you can see eight and nine are prominent. The view from the buckle will show you a little bit of overjet as well as excessive inclination. So certainly he was more concerned about getting a better smile, improving his smile. Secondary to that was that at 17, as a senior in high school, he really didn't want to put on braces. So, you know, dad kind of admitted missing a window of opportunity. At a younger age, probably he would have been more agreeable to braces. But at 17, being a senior in high school, it's a little bit tougher as the years go by to have an older, let's say, teenager want to put braces on. So Chavez was not interested in having braces at this age, but Invisalign was very appealing to him. So when we take a look at the um, upper and lower arches here, we can see, and again, our main question was, would Chavez benefit from proper tooth alignment? diagnose the cause means we'd like to again focus on the big three, the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination. 
So certainly we know aligning the teeth produces a very nice smile. It turns out if you have a proper arch form and you have an average or proper arch width and you have very nice or proper buccal lingual inclination, it tends to add up to having the best smile. It would mean having a broad wide arch that was leveled and aligned. And when you smile, your teeth would kind of fill your smile and you'd have a beautiful display of teeth. So while I would love to satisfy the patient's chief complaint at every turn, the aesthetics is very important to the patient. It's on my list. It's just never first. I already know that I'm going to satisfy it if I'm attacking the cause of my problem. So I'm always going after the arch form, the arch width, the buccal lingual inclination, knowing that I'll achieve the best smile for that patient because we're going to end up with the teeth where they belong. And that should be a broad, wide shape with a beautiful width and nice inclination so that that smile will be dramatically improved. Of course, when we're looking at more photographs here, we could see that the benefit from tooth alignment will be significant. We have a significant overjet. We have a significant amount of inclination of the anterior teeth. We recognize that tooth number 29 is kind of tucked into the lingual, so we don't really have a proper occlusion here. Whichever way we describe it, these are teeth that are colliding, and they are in trauma. You could imagine as the decades pass, how will teeth 8 and 9 respond to that inclination and level of overjet? The lower incisal edges are hitting all the way up near the gum tissue, and they're banging into 8 and 9. So these are the teeth that we would expect somewhere 30, 40, 50 years old to have mobility or even fremitus. And the solution for that at that age really isn't the occlusal adjustment to lighten the load on the front teeth, because that's a temporary measure. That's not really treating the cause of the problem. So knowing that these teeth are colliding, they're in trauma, and that our evaluation of this should result in the diagnosis of a malocclusion that could benefit from clear aligner therapy, we would definitely want to educate Chavez as to the benefits of Invisalign. Great. So that's where the hygienist can really make a difference in this case. So yes, Chavez would benefit from proper tooth alignment. Now, how do we get Chavez on board? Again, this is that one-second exam where we can have Chavez closed down, and there's a lot we can see from this view. So put your ortho goggles on and try to think about what your concerns are. For me, again, what stands out is that buccal lingual inclination, the overjet, like Dr. Moralia said, and also that he is 17. We have to really get him on board now with his dental health so he can have health over the decades. He's 17. Let's picture him at 27, 37, 47, and so on. We want to really provide him that foundation. Because the worst thing a patient can say to you, I believe, is why didn't you tell me I could prevent this, right? That's a horrible place to be. So we have a lot of options to provide by putting teeth in the proper place and setting up a beautiful occlusion early to prevent dental and periodontal problems. So for Chavez, I would tell Chavez, you know, Chavez, it concerns me because your teeth are colliding versus sliding, leading to rapid breakdown of your teeth and gums over time. We really need to consider taking your teeth out of trauma to prevent costly dentistry and more importantly to keep your teeth healthy for a lifetime. You see, teeth don't age, they wear. So let's prevent your teeth from disease. I'm also concerned about your chief concern of the flaring of your front teeth. I know you don't like the looks of these teeth, but I'm more concerned about the risk of them chipping and fracturing and loosening since they are more prone to this due to their positioning. The good news is we can take your teeth out of trauma and put them in the proper place. Sometimes I like to have a pregnant pause because Chavez may say, well, how do we do that? And I say, well, we can use clear aligner therapy, and then you may have heard of Invisalign. So we want to focus on the solution, not so much the product. And I like to share an analogy for our perio patients. If we're placing some, say, Arrestin or Atridox, we don't want to say, oh, we're going to place Arrestin in the pocket of the mesial distal of number three. No, we're going to address the problem, and we're going to offer the solution. 
The problem is you have an infection. The solution is we need to provide an antibiotic. And then you may give an arrest and brochure. It's the same concept. We really want to focus on addressing the problem and offering a solution, which in this case is a clear aligner therapy. So again, if we have time to evaluate with the patient the occlusal photos, which is very helpful, I again like him to see what a beautiful U-shaped arch could look like and just show him how his teeth are a little bit inclined and out of alignment. And we really want to focus on that broad, wide dome. Yes, and that's always the goal is to address the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination and try to produce that broad, wide dome so that all of the teeth have a proper home and that would result in having a really healthy occlusion. So when we look at Chavez's lower teeth in the lower arch, he most likely doesn't think that plastic can move number 29, right? <laughs> so, but we know better because we can see the after. We can picture what Chavez will look like. And then we also want to let Chavez know what happens if left untreated. So Chavez, it concerns me because your teeth are shifting. Notice your lower teeth are not aligned. They are what I call slipping the contact where they're not supporting each other. Everything tends to go forward and down over time due to gravity and something that we call mesial drift, where everything does move forward and down. My concern is if we don't properly align your teeth now, you will get further shifting and wearing of the teeth, as well as pocketing, which can ultimately result in tooth loss. Luckily, we can put your teeth in the proper place with clear aligner therapy. Let's look how Chavez benefited from 36 aligners. Let's educate the patient. Let's get him on board. And again, congratulations, Dr. Moralia, on this case because you provided Chavez success for a lifetime. Look at this beautiful you, this healthy occlusion. He's set up for a lifetime of oral health. Yeah, we were so happy to meet him and have him come in and, and accept treatment. The uh, Invisalign case was very smooth and simple. He was one of our best patients. He's one of the greatest people. So his parents were thrilled. He's very happy. And obviously the same attack as we were talking about in the previous cases, going after the arch form, the arch width, the buccal lingual inclination to really treat the cause of that collapse and that malocclusion that he has and deliver something that will not only look good, which was his primary concern, but will be healthy and stable and functional and offer him a lot of longevity. Here we have Chavez's ClinCheck. And the ClinCheck is going to be an accurate representation of what we had already seen in the photographs. What we're going to recognize is the improper arch form, the improper arch width, and the improper buccal lingual inclination. As you're seeing the movements, you're watching a transformation from the improper arch form and arch width and buccal lingual inclination to proper arch form, arch width, and buccal lingual inclination. The expansion of all of those posterior teeth allow the development of that good bite that we're talking about. And so as we're watching this case transform itself from that bad bite to that good bite, it delivers what really Chavez came for, which was that broad, wide, beautiful smile. So as you can see from the smile, we definitely have solved Chavez's initial chief complaint. He came in looking for an improvement to his smile. He knew his front teeth were kind of forward, sticking out a little bit. Some people refer to it as Bugs Bunny or Buck Teeth, but he knew he was not happy to be smiling and displaying those teeth. What we were able to do with the Invisalign was to deliver a 36-aligner case in 11 months. This particular case incorporated an accelerated orthodontic technique, so he was able to achieve that smile in a little less time than normal, but had it taken the full time of 18 to 20 months, it still would have been a wonderful outcome for him. The end result is a very healthy, very happy patient, and he now has not only that beautiful smile, but having solved the arch form, the arch width, the buccal lingual inclination, and delivered a full smile for him, it delivers the best occlusion. His teeth come together now and deliver vertical force to each other, not horizontal force. So let's take a look at our next case study, Victoria, which really is a wonderful case. It's a combination of perio-ortho and restorative, so I'm going to let Dr. Moralia review this case with us. 
Sure. We met Victoria, another one of our favorite patients, of course, coming in as a nice young lady, the age of 60. She still has several decades to go. And her chief complaint was very specific when she got to us. She was interested in updating or so-called changing the crown and the veneer on her two front teeth. Teeth eight and nine are restorations. One of them's a veneer, one of them's a crown. She had them done a long time ago, probably two decades. So for 20 to 25 years, she's had them. And she recognizes now that those two restorations are a little bit big for her. She doesn't like how they're kind of square. Could she have smaller restorations? The consultation began with her chief complaint of, my two front teeth, the veneer and the crown, are too big for me, and I'd like them to be smaller. May I also point out, Dr. Moralia, that this is not her natural bite, that it was a forced bite just to show the crowding, so there's no confusion when we present her future bite. Absolutely. We have a photograph coming of the actual bite. This was to display the lower incisors, so she has put edge to edge on purpose for that particular photograph. So... In diagnosing the cause of the problem, again, we're looking at the arch form, the arch width, the buccolingual inclination, and certainly we recognize a few of the little rotations that are present. We recognize overlapping of teeth. We recognize the teeth slipping the contact. One area in particular we would want to focus right on is the 27-28 area. The mesial and distal contact of 27 and 28 are off by a significant amount, and that's going to change how well this case could have some sort of canine protection or canine guidance. The end result of not having all of the credentials for having a beautiful occlusion is that we have some sort of malocclusion and some sort of deterioration and or breakdown. Now, the idea is that Victoria is someone who has been going to the dentist every six months. So here's someone who's attending all of her hygiene visits at a six-month interval and having routine maintenance, as we would call it. But the idea is when we met her to discuss the chief complaint of teeth eight and nine, maybe having new dentistry, we recognize with other photographs and other evaluations, there's a lot more going on than just teeth eight and nine maybe being a little cosmetically off. There's recession. There's abfraction. We have a history of having composites into the buccal areas. And not only that, we can see future abfractive areas around the composites, both gingivally and occlusally. There's even a missing composite or two in the tooth number 21 and also 28. So we have every stage of that recession, abfraction, replacement with composite, and then eventual loss of the composite showing in this case. We would assign colliding to a mouth like this. These teeth are not protecting each other. They're colliding. We have a traumatic occlusion, and we do not have the credentials of having longevity with health and comfort and stability built into this case. Certainly, just like anyone else, I like to do my share of restorative dentistry, but to quickly rush in and make a new veneer or a new crown on eight and nine doesn't really solve any of the health concerns that are here. So while I'm confident I can provide an aesthetic solution to eight and nine, it might involve a little more educating and a bigger conversation about the type of bite we have, how the teeth are functioning together, and whether or not there's something we might consider doing prior to the restorative dentistry. Dr. Moralia convinced Victoria to follow this perio-ortho-restorative philosophy, where perio would be first, meaning you'd take care and address any active inflammation, but ortho would come second prior to restorative if there was no pathology involved to build that nice, healthy foundation where ortho is crucial to long-term success. If you bypass the ortho, you are no longer setting this patient up for long-term health. By providing Invisalign therapy as a pre-restorative therapy, Dr. Moralia is providing dentistry that's designed to succeed, not designed to fail. Dr. Moralia, can you explain how you got Victoria on board with this concept? Certainly. Obviously, we always recognize 
uh, and validate the patient's chief complaint. And so we almost immediately agreed with Victoria that eight and nine, while their porcelain work, it's a little wide for her. We certainly would love to slenderize that a little bit. We're very interested in showing her how we could go about doing that. But prior to getting to that, we wanted to talk a little bit more about a bigger picture. And while we're discussing the entire case, we're looking at that difference between the good bite versus the bad bite. And so most success I've had in discussing these types of cases comes from describing and teaching the patient the difference between having a good bite and a bad bite. And again, having a good bite means all of the teeth are lined up appropriately and they connect well. And the teeth are meant to come together in a certain way. They are designed to touch each other in certain places and not in others. And so if we have a good bite, it's very protective. But if we don't have a good bite and we have a bad bite, meaning the teeth are coming together in ways that they're touching each other where they shouldn't, well, what happens is we get deterioration. So the good bite is protective. The bad bite is destructive. So both bites chew the food. But if we have the bad bite, it takes a toll on the tooth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joint, the muscles. And of course, we add to that list dentistry when there is dentistry present. So certainly we start teaching Victoria the difference between the good bite and the bad bite. And that having this bad bite is destructive. And it's basically taking a toll on her gum tissue, her tooth structure, and certainly the surrounding bone. So that's really how we lead into the fact that we have to look at a little bit of a bigger picture here and consider taking these teeth out of trauma. If we could move her teeth just a little bit and organize a better bite, then the dentistry we'd like to do next, whether it's the front teeth, the back teeth, or both, will not only look a lot better, but will certainly be in an occlusion or a bite that is protective, meaning it'll last longer for her. So now, we take a look at photographs like this, and we would want to be able to envision where we're going. And I like to do my fair share of crown and bridge and implant and veneer work, but I'd like to kind of see the end result in my head, and I don't see the final result in this case without Invisalign. So it's Invisalign allows me to see the final result here. And so what I want to do is talk to the patient about the difference that the Invisalign treatment in setting up the correct bite might have on the gum tissue. And certainly what happens here is the problem that we're having is certainly gum, tooth, and bone related. And the consequence of not addressing it is that I can do the dentistry, but if the teeth are still having horizontal force on them or inappropriate contact, so to speak, in that bad bite, my dentistry is going to be subject to the same wear and tear that the teeth were. And we're all well aware of what happens when we place composites into those kind of class five non-carious lesions. Over time, when the attractive forces are still there, the horizontal force wears that out, it eventually falls out. Well, if we make a veneer or a crown, we'll be subject to the same type of forces. So we have to be careful offering longevity and then teaching the patient that the proper sequence of events is to have the perio, then the ortho, then the restorative. All of a sudden, we have a patient that understands there's a better way to do this where I can now have health, longevity, comfort, function, aesthetics. I can have all of the pieces of the puzzle addressed instead of just one or two. And the hygienist's role in speaking with this patient is really to enforce that perio-ortho-restorative philosophy to really help make the patient feel comfortable and the message being consistent throughout the office. And the end result is if Victoria continues through the Invisalign towards the restorative phase, having spent time with the hygienist at the beginning for the scaling and root planning, certainly getting the case prepped for Invisalign, then taking the patient through Invisalign into the restorative dentistry, this is a case that you're seeing the before and after that does not include any type of periodontal surgery. So Victoria, in addressing the actual cause of all the problems with the Invisalign, was able to basically solve the periodontal concerns through scaling and root planning, an improvement in home care, followed by the alignment of the teeth, delivering a proper occlusion. 
And so those three things combined to show you what here is a very healthy, tight, stippled pink gum tissue, all resolved through the scaling and root planing followed by in the Invisalign orthodontics and never having had to have any type of gum surgery. These buckle before and after pictures are perfect opportunities for us as hygienists to reinforce that teeth should be sliding, not colliding, and that we really need to consider taking the teeth out of trauma. Think about what concerns you and then fill in the blank with those INGs. Like for instance, with Victoria, this concerns me because your gums are receding, your teeth are notching, your teeth are wearing, etc. So this is a great opportunity to put some of those INGs into motion. So now the actual problem when we're educating our patient is to make sure we're talking about the arch form, the arch width, the buccolingual inclination, how we'd like to see these teeth in a beautiful arch form with a proper arch width that are upright or kind of vertical so that when they come together, they contact each other appropriately. And the idea is if we just spend the few minutes to teach a patient the difference between that good bite and bad bite, that will go a long way towards a lot of patients understanding that Invisalign is really a need for them to have a beautiful occlusion and enjoy the health and longevity and comfort that comes from the teeth connecting appropriately. I wholeheartedly agree. Many patients have expressed gratitude for taking the time to educate them on this by explaining the cause, not the symptom, especially for patients. You know, who knew there was no such thing as crooked teeth? Certainly not our patients. So it's a great way to engage and try to bypass the brushing and flossing lecture. They'll be more open and receptive to everything you have to say. In the end, while we were having this nice conversation with Victoria and the investment of those few minutes, what it translated into was instead of rushing into her chief complaint and delivering two restorations on teeth eight and nine, Victoria was able to understand that with Invisalign and taking the teeth out of trauma, producing a better bite and position, then we would be able to discuss the possibility of restoring the teeth in a more comprehensive fashion. Having a beautiful occlusion would be a big part of that. This case ended up being Invisalign to the order of 10 months. So we had 10 months of Invisalign and then followed by 12 crowns of the upper teeth. We were able to crown teeth 3 through 14 for her, and that divided all the proportions for the sizing, and obviously the laterals were undersized. So we were able to do a little more of a restorative case there. But what Victoria came in for was a lot different than what she left with. But the bridge between the two was the educational process between the hygienist and the doctor and explaining the importance of Invisalign and how it would affect the outcome. So we see that, yes, Victoria did benefit from Invisalign. And looking at her before and her after, what I want Dr. Moralia to elaborate on is the five-year after photo. Yes. So the interesting thing about this case, Victoria is one of the few patients that after a few years does not wear a nighttime retainer anymore. So she is one of a rare breed where they don't have to wear their retainer anymore. And she is now five years post-op without wearing a nighttime retainer. I know you noticed in the photographs a lingual bar, and the lower lingual bar goes a long way to establishing some longevity and stability in the case. Having the lingual bar is a choice, which she was happy to get, and then having a beautiful occlusion with all of the contacts being vertical. So if we have a nice overbite, a nice overjet, a canine-protected occlusion, if we have vertical force on all our bacterial teeth, kind of that cusp and fossa arrangement or marginal ridge, without any posterior interferences, it's a very stable occlusion. And so, again, on the rare side of things, Victoria is one of our patients that does not wear a nighttime retainer. She has her lower lingual bar in place to this day. And this treatment now is, I think, seven or eight years post-op. But you're looking at a photograph that shows five years later how comfortable and stable and healthy everything's been. And Victoria has had no further dentistry over those five years. She's basically come in for her hygiene maintenance and loves her time with Adriana in our office. So the result is another healthy, happy patient. Right, Dr. Moralia? 
Yes, incredibly happy. So while Victoria came in again for two teeth, we were able to help her kind of see the bigger picture and understand that Invisalign plus a little more comprehensive restorative along with the hygiene and the home care instruction and her efforts at home improving dramatically allowed for a real resolution of all of the issues. And she's now had a seven-year run of just comfort and health and stability without needing any dentistry. Great. Let's advance to our next case study, which is Heather, age 36, and she came through the dental chair. She had uh, cheap complaints that Dr. Moralia will review with you now. Sure. We meet Heather at age 36, very young. We've got a lot of decades to go. So if we're going to try to maintain our teeth, our gum, our bone, the jaw joint, the muscles, and any dentistry for the course of a lifetime, we're looking at 60 years to go here. We'd like to get the patient to 95 years old and with their own teeth. And when Heather comes to us, her chief complaint is that she's unhappy with her smile and she specifically wanted to know about veneers and what would the veneer process be and how soon could she get them. And that's basically how we met Heather. She had been living with a smile that she was unhappy with for a very long time and she had decided it was time to correct that. So by asking around, she managed to get our number. And next thing you know, she's in our chair asking about veneers to fix her smile. Of course, we're always looking to validate the patient's chief complaint. We understand that the patient has a knowledge of veneers, probably through the internet at this point, and that veneers can help improve a smile. But we're always looking to diagnose the cause of our problem. So we have a couple of concerns. We're focusing on our big three, the arch form, the arch width, and the buccolingual inclination. But obviously, we would recognize that there's been a little destruction of some of the tooth structure, and bulimia could very well be a cause of that, and a conversation with Heather reveals that. The good news about that is Heather will tell us that was episodes of bulimia during college, and from 18 to 22, that was going on. But since 22 years old, meaning 14 years, we've been free of the bulimia. So now it's just a matter of dealing with the teeth as they are today, knowing that we don't have that eating disorder. And now at this point, she's ready to fix what she feels she really damaged. But, you know, we know she didn't move her teeth where they are or produce the arch form or the arch width or the buccolingual inclination. But we'd like to get those teeth in a better position prior to doing any type of restorative Evaluation of the occlusion. Certainly, we've got a little anterior open bite. The V-shaped arch on the upper arch, the teeth coming together in the premolars are more edge-to-edge in contact. So we have every bit of colliding here. Certainly, again, teeth in trauma. So we, we really don't have the perfect occlusion just yet, which means I'm not inclined to just start thinking about that veneer and or crown case that we might be presenting to Heather without first teaching more about the bite that good bite and bad bite difference, whether or not we can make an improvement with the Invisalign, would Heather benefit from having these teeth in a better position? Would she benefit from clear aligner therapy? Obviously, the answer is yes. Heather would benefit from tooth alignment, given that she has malocclusion, that she's having collisions, that she's having those end-to-end bites. So how do we educate Heather on the benefits of Invisalign prior to restorative? You know, she wanted to do this quickly. Well, luckily, Dr. Moralia convinced her, along with his team of hygienists, for that combo of the perio-ortho-restorative philosophy. And our job as hygienists is really to reinforce this philosophy, to let Heather know that she's doing the right thing and that she can be comfortable proceeding with the treatment. And certainly, having the conversation with Heather and teaching her about improving the bite, improving the position of the teeth, having them come together more appropriately prior to doing some restorative dentistry would lead to a better outcome that would address her chief complaint of having a nice smile that she could be proud of. And so in the end, this is a case that really only involved about nine months of Invisalign. So it's a very short Invisalign case. Then Heather was able to achieve what you're looking at in the middle photograph of having a beautiful occlusion, just not having the restorations yet. 
So once we have the leveling and the lining and shaping of the arch form and the arch width and the buccal lingual inclination, now we have the opportunity to make our restorations more lifelike. And by lifelike, I mean trying to resemble the original shape, size, and contour that they had. And the further the teeth are out of position, well, the more it changes how we're preparing them and how we're restoring them. So in order to have the restorations that we're placing resemble the shape and size and contour and anatomy of the original tooth structure and a perfect bite, it'd be nice to have the foundation set up. And that's why we're talking about the arch form and the arch width and discussing with Heather the difference between the good bite and the bad bite so that she'll understand the Invisalign is more necessary to produce the perfect placement of the teeth, to have the right connection of the teeth so that when we do the dentistry or the cosmetic dentistry for her, it's more exact and it's a better result in all levels, including the cosmetics. So the upper arch, we could see the transition from her before photograph through the Invisalign treatment, which produces a beautiful broad wide dome, and then the expansion is through the premolar area. Once we produce that beautiful amount of shaping and expanding of the arch, we're able to deliver the restorations, which are very lifelike and very anatomically correct. So she has a beautiful shape, size, contour, position of all of the crown work, and this is the result of having 12 of the Emax crowns placed so we're talking about all ceramic work, 12 units from number 3 to number 14. And the end result is that the Invisalign really sets up this case to be appropriately restored and have the best outcome for the patient. So when we get to the right side, we can recognize that instead of having these teeth in trauma, we have those premolars expanded to a region where we can develop all of the anatomy of the teeth. And again, having that occlusion delivering vertical force to the teeth and not horizontal force results in the gum tissue being pink and tight and stippled and healthy. And I think that, Lauren, you would agree, that's a very nice gum tissue there. Absolutely. The tissue tone is greatly improved. And again, the hygienists are great at reinforcing this message now. So I would like to tell Heather about my concern that her teeth are colliding rather than sliding, which then leads to fracturing, wearing, and thinning of the enamel, all those INGs, and reinforce that she's doing the right thing. I would say it is great that you're taking your teeth out of trauma and putting them in the proper position before you start your crown work. You're setting yourself up for a lifetime of good oral health. So glad you understand the value of properly aligned teeth. So basically, we're offering support, and then we can actually invite any questions that she may have so she really feels cared for. When patients feel reassured and cared for, that really goes a long way, and they appreciate that, which, as we know, we appreciate as well, right? We like to be helpful and part of our patient's healthcare team. On Heather's ClinCheck, we recognize that V-shaped arch that she presented to our office with. The idea behind converting that improper arch form to a beautiful broad wide dome allows us to have a proper shape and placement of all of those upper teeth and lower teeth so that as she closes, she delivers herself a very protective bite and better sets up this case for the restorative dentistry that we like to perform in order to satisfy her chief complaint. Yes, and in the end, the result of having nine months, uh, really a total treatment time of 11 months to take her through the preparation, impression, and cementing of the 12 units of the Emax crowns, the transition for Heather was significant. You know, having gone from the photograph where she was very unhappy with her smile, it was her chief complaint that she disliked her teeth and her smile, to the after photograph, which we recognize is taken the same day the crowns are inserted, so there's still a little anesthetic floating around that upper arch, and to a five-year later, which shows just a really nice, relaxed, and comfortable smile. And if you look at the difference between the before and the after picture, even though that's five years later, Heather looks younger to me. And she looks fabulous. She comes in every six months. She spends time with our hygienist. She wears her Vivera retainer every night. And Heather's one of the happiest patients we've ever treated. Even though she walked in looking for an instant solution, I want veneers and the sooner the better, 
just educating her and giving her a few minutes of time to teach the difference that Invisalign would make in her case. She was incredibly thankful. Heather's response at the end of 11 months wasn't, oh, this took so long, it was painful. I can't believe this took forever. That's not really where this went. Most of these patients come through and are very appreciative and happy that they did invest that time and that money on the Invisalign because they understand the difference that it made in the case and the outcome for them. Great. Let's move on to our next case study, Lori, age 46. And what's her chief complaint, Dr. Moralia? Yes, Lori, lovely lady. Interestingly enough, when she presents to our office, she has a retained primary tooth, letter H, which is in the position where tooth number 11 should be. And it's very darkly stained around the composite that's there. And Lori's chief complaint, believe it or not, is that that tooth is brown around the gum line. There's a lot in here to complain about, but that's the thing that's bothering her the most. When she smiles, all she sees is this brown mark on the retained primary tooth age. And certainly, I see that also. But in my head, I'm looking at, okay, how about the arch form? How about the arch width? How about that? And we will always recognize and acknowledge and validate a patient's chief complaint. Of course, Lori, that stain is a little more than acceptable, and we understand how that would affect your smile. We're definitely going to talk about how we can help you there. But the idea is there is a bigger picture, and it's not just about that one retained primary tooth that has a composite that's staining by the gum line. Lori has had a history of orthodontics with some premolars, upper premolar extractions and braces. And, you know, it's more of one of the horrific stories where it's been five years and all this time and braces uncomfortable. But at any rate, we're focused on where is she now, which is there's an arch form, an arch width, and a buccolingual inclination issue. Certainly her teeth are in trauma. This is the type of crossbite on the right side and hyperocclusion of the anterior teeth that has some mobility involved with eight and nine. And while we are always interested in helping a patient address their chief complaint, our focus has to be on what other things are going around and are we treating the case comprehensive? Because I can change that composite rather quickly, but the idea is, are we addressing the patient's uh, real health concerns here? So certainly, we'd be looking to evaluate her occlusion. And if we're looking at and paying attention to the arch form, the arch width, the buccolingual inclination, we would recognize that these teeth are all colliding. There's really nothing wonderful about this occlusion. So Lori has a compromised occlusion with all of the collisions and trauma that's there. There's a lot of horizontal force going on. And at a young age, at a young age of 46, really, we have someone who has a little excessive amount of recession and that fraction formation, has had her fair share of dentistry on some of the back teeth, and there's really no end in sight. This is the kind of case where the deterioration is just coming. And with every year that passes, this could be worse and worse and worse. So yes, it's obvious that Lori would benefit from proper tooth alignment. And as hygienists, we can really change lives by educating our patients on the importance of proper alignment. So what do you see when you put on your ortho goggles in this one second exam where you can see a lot going on by just looking at the anterior view, again, the left and the right? So I would want to share concerns with Lori, and I would say, Lori, I want to share some of my concerns with you. And I would point out number 22. So I would say, see your lower left canine. See how you have a direct collision with your top tooth. The teeth are colliding versus sliding. This collision is causing trauma to the soft tissue. My concern is your gums are receding. See? And then I would show Lori in a mirror because I would want for her to see how her teeth are coming together by actually simulating the motion. And this will continue to do so unless we take your teeth out of trauma. Luckily, we can offer clear aligner therapy, and you may have heard of Invisalign. So you can see this is becoming quite repetitious over the cases because it's really about removing the forces. So the problem is malpositioned teeth. 
the consequences are all the ing words that we are seeing the receding the fracturing the wearing and then the solution is to put teeth in the right place it's really a very simple process and the more you start applying this to your patients the more repetitive you're going to be because it makes sense and your patients will greatly benefit by following these instructions so when we see the after, when we look at the occlusal views on the lower, we do want to focus if there's any type of periodontal conditions as well caused by the crowding teeth. That's another talking point for our patients because we're concerned, obviously, about their periodontal health and we don't want to have any type of inflammation. So we really want to focus on avoiding those crowded areas for better oral hygiene and try to have them envision that the problem is not, again, the crooked teeth, but the lack of space in the arch form. And we can create that by having that beautiful you. On the upper arch, look at the tissue of number 9 through 11. If I had the time to go over the occlusal photos with Lori, I would definitely point out the inflammation in this specific area as a result of those crowded teeth. And compared to the after, where you have that nice pink tissue in that 9 to 11 area. Okay, on Lori's ClinCheck, we're noticing an amount of expansion that will help us correct the occlusion that she showed up with. Of course, having that bad bite produces all of the undesirable trauma on the teeth, the gum, the bone, the jaw joint, and the muscles. And we're looking at an amount of expansion and shaping and addressing of the arch form, the arch width, and the buccolingual inclination so that we can have teeth coming together in a way that's protective and not destructive. We're basically trying to have our ClinCheck show us the production of an occlusion that has the teeth coming together in a sliding and not colliding fashion. So let's look at the improvements. I mean, this is a tremendous case. And again, congratulations, Dr. Moralia, and your patients are so fortunate to have you have this periortho restorative type of philosophy where you see the after, where you know that ortho is fundamental to Lori's oral health. Thank you very much, Lauren. The benefit is tremendous. And what we have seen Invisalign do over the years has been nothing short of amazing. But if you recognize here, this is a case where Lori walked her way through all of her aligners in the course of about 15 months. So we used 30 aligners. We took her through 15 months of Invisalign. And in correcting the crossbite and delivering an arch form and an arch width and a proper buccal lingual inclination, delivering an occlusion that had more vertical force, more vertical component than horizontal component, taking the teeth out of collisions, taking the teeth out of trauma, one of the largest areas of impact was right around tooth number 22 that you were mentioning before. This is a case where Lori has not had any periodontal grafting or surgical or laser type of treatments on her gums. Certainly scaling and root planing with our hygienist and maintenance along the way, and certainly good hygiene at home, but in taking tooth number 10 and also number 22 out of trauma, out of colliding, tucking in an appropriate occlusion, the gum tissue started to climb right up the root of number 22. And we see a beautiful gum tissue really right across all of the teeth now, more level, more stippled, more pink, more tight, and that improvement has been enjoyed now for at least five years. I believe we treated her about six years ago. That's terrific. Let's move to our next case study, Olivia, who's 17. What's Olivia's chief complaint, Dr. Moralia? Olivia and her parents had gone for consultations to discuss the possibility of Invisalign. She was told she was not a candidate for Invisalign and that braces would be better. So as we began to assess her chief complaint, we understood that Certainly, there was an issue with the lower teeth, which we'll catch up with in a moment when we get to that slide, but the crowding of the lower teeth and the type of occlusion that she has is a concern for us with that deeper bite in the anterior, but being told that she was not a candidate did not result in her getting braces at age 17. She's a senior in high school, and it was very difficult for her to accept that, so she kind of refused putting on braces, and eventually they got to us, and when she got to us, we were able to obviously talk about what we could offer with Invisalign. 
And so the idea behind Olivia having Invisalign was that we would always want to understand that question, would Olivia benefit from proper tooth alignment? And of course, our answer is going to be yes, but we want to focus on the cause. So focusing on the cause brings me back to the big three I like to talk about, the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination. Does the patient have a broad, wide arch form, a beautiful dome? Does the patient have an acceptable arch width? Does the patient have inclination of the back teeth that's more vertical so that she could have vertical force? Or does the patient have a poor arch form with poor arch width and terrible horizontal force on the back teeth? So we could identify these items for Olivia, and while looking at that lower arch photograph, we could see that exactly tooth number 23, even though it looks to be crowded out or trapped behind the other teeth, the real problem isn't tooth number 23. The problem is the entire arch form and the arch width and the buccal lingual inclination are poor. It's a function of all 28 teeth needing to be addressed and moved into a proper position to allow that one tooth to take its home. So the question is, would Olivia benefit from proper tooth alignment? And yes, she would because of these transverse and these vertical discrepancies that we've been seeing throughout all of these cases so far. In fact, if you looked, Olivia is a class one. She's a class one malocclusion. So how do we get Olivia on board? Well, this one is easy because she was already asking for Invisalign, right? That was her chief concern. She really wanted to get Invisalign. But as hygienists, I want to make sure that we also educate Olivia on the health benefits as well. So I would go through all the health benefits of proper tooth alignment with Olivia so she understands that not only will she be more aesthetically pleased, but she'll also be healthy for a lifetime. So if I were to have the time to look at occlusal photos, I would say that this concerns me, Olivia, because I noticed your teeth are shifting. I would go to the upper arch form and go to the arch width and talk about that nice U-shaped dome that we talked about already. And then look at Olivia's completed case. I mean, this again to me is almost miraculous because what a difference it makes when you increase that vertical dimension and provide her with the proper arch form, arch width, and buccal inclination. Yes, the issue here is that Olivia invested 16 months of time, which is a very short amount of time when you're considering how many decades you can enjoy a healthy, beautiful, functional, stable occlusion for. When we play Olivia's ClinCheck, it shows us the development of a broad, wide arch form to accommodate all of the teeth in exactly the position they were intended to be in. Of course, addressing the cause of the problem is always a better pathway. So we're always focused on the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination. If we can produce an amount of expansion with a little bit of proclination, we can have a ClinCheck show us all of the teeth resolving the initial issues and producing a beautiful arch form, arch width, and buccal lingual inclination, translating into an excellent occlusion for our patient that should serve them for a lifetime. So Olivia, being 17 to 18 and a half treating this case, still has a, probably six more decades to enjoy, maybe even seven. And the idea there is that's a short amount of time comparative to what you can use those teeth for for the rest of your life. Addressing the arch form, addressing the arch width, addressing the buccal lingual inclination, producing that broad wide arch form with Invisalign over 16 months allows us to keep the tooth number 23 and basically produce a result that has all of these teeth coming together and delivering a perfectly healthy vertical type of force on them. So let's go to our next case study, which to me is a case study near and dear to my heart, Evan. Evan was actually my aha moment in 2006 when I took a continuing education course, and I would love for Dr. Moralia to review this case and kind of see where is Evan now, eight years later. Yes, Evan came to our office back in 2005 with a chief complaint that was very simple, but he said, my gums are bleeding when I'm eating. 
And certainly the picture we're seeing on the right side, which is the occlusion being opened, he's opening so we have a full view of the teeth, the positioning, the gum tissue, the plaque, the calculus. And the idea there is when he closes, we'll see the picture of the bite later. When he closes, he covers the bottom teeth so it's not as visible. Evan gets to us, and obviously he's coming through our hygiene. He's going to meet Christy. Christy is our hygienist who took care of, had the pleasure of meeting Evan and helping him. From the moment they met, Christy really helped to establish what started out as a great relationship and built it into an incredible relationship that they still enjoy today. And so the idea behind Evan was certainly we have an interest in addressing his chief complaint, and we wanted to certainly provide a solution for him. But it didn't just include the hygiene. There's more to what's going on with Evan than just he's not the best brusher or the best flosser. And so from the moment Christy met Evan, she began the process of educating, and a lot of activity took place in the hygiene chair before I ever even got my hands on Evan. So now what we're looking at is a before and after. And Evan did spend time in aligners, actually 30 aligners over 15 months. And the idea there is Evan came through our hygiene program where Christy was able to win him over and educate him. He did go through several rounds of scaling and root planing with her and in each of those sessions with constant instruction on brushing and flossing and rinsing and coming back at one week interval, then four week interval to monitor how he was doing at home. Over the course of about six weeks, she really had educated Evan and motivated him enough and built such a beautiful relationship that he felt so comfortable coming in and having his teeth cleaned and worked on. He was doing a beautiful job at home. He took great pride in his brushing and flossing. She really won him over. And it's a testament to how good you know her communication skills are and the effort that she put into making sure that he would feel comfortable coming and not really coming in worried about whether or not he was going to be told, oh, you're a bad brusher or you don't brush your teeth or your hygiene is so poor. All of that stuff is a turnoff for a patient. So Christy was able to build a beautiful relationship, have him come in. And once she got him established as proper brushing, proper flossing, proper rinsing, caring for his teeth. Within weeks, the gum tissue was starting to change, and that's when we kind of jumped in to talk about what are we really going to address here because the hygiene was one issue only, but not the only issue, and we really had to talk about the occlusion. Do we have arch form? Do we have arch width? Do we have buccal lingual inclination? Do we have a nice overbite, overjet? Are these teeth coming together in a form that's traumatic or protective? And so certainly we had that discussion, that conversation with Evan to start to teach well, Evan, we've got you this far now. Christie's brought you a long way. We could see improvements, but there's a little more to address. And we had to introduce that whole concept of that good bite and bad bite so that we could teach him what the opportunity was using Invisalign. With 15 months of Invisalign and having a scaling and cleaning with Christie every three months during that process, the end result is a result that does not involve any periodontal surgery. No laser, no scalpel, no sutures. He's never met our periodontists. So Evan was treated in 2005 until 2006. And at that point, we were able to just continue doing six-month recalls all the way to basically today. So Evan is actually a great teaching tool for our patients as well. And I'm encouraging you to use Evan as a case study for your patients, which is available on our patient case portfolio. Again, please refer to the Hygiene ATE Part 2, where we go into detail at how to have these bib-on, bib-off conversations. And we actually utilize Evan, because what better way to explain the colliding versus sliding than to show Evan where he has kind of that head-on collision, I call it, and the subsequent soft and hard tissue damage as a result. And then look at the beautiful result. So when we want to say to our patients, we want them to see the after, it's great to show them a case like this so they can see the after for themselves and envision what their mouth may look like when put in the proper position and the benefits that proper position will have on their teeth and their gums. We recognize on Evan's ClinCheck that the crowding of the teeth is really not the actual cause of the trouble. The trouble is the improper arch form, the improper arch width, and the improper buccal lingual inclination. 
what we're watching occur as we expand these teeth is the formation of a proper arch form, a proper arch width, and a proper buccal lingual inclination. Solving the cause of the trouble, addressing those three items, delivers a beautiful occlusion that will have a very nice overbite, overjet, canine-guided or protected occlusion with posterior teeth that come together in an intercuspation without interference format. And that delivers vertical force on all our back teeth, and that's always our goal, is that our patients finish with a bite that delivers a vertical force on the back teeth as opposed to a horizontal force, which is where all of the destruction comes from. So here's Evan eight years later. This is something, right, Dr. Morelia? Oh, yes. He's one of our favorite people. You know, everybody loves seeing him in the office. He's such a great guy. When we met him, he was 23 years old. He's now 33 years old. It's been 10 years since we met him in 2005, but the photograph you're looking at is an eight-year follow-up. He comes in every six months for a cleaning. He wears a Vivera retainer every night to sleep, and he does his brushing, his flossing. His tissue has maintained the same level of tight and stippled and pink that we originally delivered for him. He probes anywhere from one to three millimeters with an occasional four around the molars. He's taken a great pride in taking care of the result that mostly he delivered. You know, we were able to help him get there, but he had to wear the aligners. He had to do all the effort of delivering that so-called 15 months effort to produce the beautiful bite we wanted to get him. But he does have a beautiful smile. He does have a comfortable mouth. He's never required any dentistry from us other than the scalings and cleanings that he has at a six-month interval now with our hygiene program. So him and Christy have a great relationship, and he basically comes in on a six-month interval just to have his teeth cleaned and polished. And I don't think in 10 years Evan's ever seen a needle or a drill. So kudos to Christy because she cared and that came across. Evan felt cared for. Evan was engaged. Christy was able to educate him on the value of proper tooth alignment, which has a lasting impact. This is a perfect example of a prevention plan versus a treatment plan. Imagine if Evan did not go through the motions and the recommended treatment that Dr. Moralia and Christy had suggested. Where would he be today? Where would he be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? Think of the amount of dental treatment Evan would need compared to what I call the prevention plan, which is really just perio and ortho. There is no need for that restorative model at that point once you had the teeth in the right place and the gingival tissue was healthy. The photographs of the face are really telling. You know, when Evan first came to us, he was not the healthiest Evan that he could be. And just 15 months later, the middle photograph shows what Evan looks like 15 months after going through 30 aligners. He walked in that day. That's the photograph of the day he came in to pick up his retainers. And so we take that photograph and we put it next to that one. And it's amazing the difference. Evan was able to lose 30 pounds and he certainly started to eat healthier. He started to exercise, started to work out, started to feel better about himself. And he just has a more natural smile. He changed his glasses. I used to joke we cut his hair for him. We got... We got him cleaned up a little bit, but he did it all by himself. And not only did he do it by himself, the photograph on the right side is eight years later. So basically, Evan goes through little bits of changes in the facial hair. So he does the goatee, he does the beard, but always neat and clean and presentable and healthy. He's certainly happy and healthy today. And this is a perfect example for the doctor hygienist team approach and how important it is and how together they can truly make a difference in patients' lives. So what did we learn today? Well, we listen to the importance of listening to patients' chief concerns, right? What is bothering them? What concerns them? And then we need to address that and take into account, are any of these chief concerns related to malpositioning or malocclusion? We also learn to diagnose the cause and pay really close attention to the patient's arch form, arch width, and buccal lingual inclination. Those three things go a long way in determining whether or not your patient has a very healthy occlusion that can offer them a lifetime of health and longevity, comfort and stability, as well as that beautiful smile. 
We also learn to assess, would our patient benefit from proper tooth alignment? And that comes immediately after the cause. If you're thinking about the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination, and you recognize that those are problematic for your patient, then the answer should be affirmative. Would your patient benefit from proper tooth alignment? The answer is, yes, they would. Any patient that has an improper arch form, an improper arch width, an improper buccal lingual inclination would benefit from proper tooth alignment. We also demonstrated the value of connecting to our patients. We want to engage with our patients. We don't want to lecture our patients so they feel cared for, so they feel confident, so they feel valued. And that really comes through taking the time for patient education to explain things so they understand things wholeheartedly and can make the best decisions for themselves. And we saw the benefits of what a proper occlusion and tooth positioning can make in creating a happy and healthy patient. It goes a long way beyond just the individual teeth. And so the idea is to understand that the teeth are connected to a whole person. And a lot of times, you know, having a very nice, healthy smile is important to our patient. But we have to look a little bit past that and understand the difference between that good bite and the bad bite. And so while in a dental professional setting, we're throwing around the word malocclusion, make sure we're breaking that down to a level for the patients that a good bite, bad bite might be a better description so that they understand that having a better bite or a good bite is important to the overall health and longevity and function and stability and comfort and smile that they desire. So action items, diagnose the cause, that would be number one. Let's make sure that we're looking at the cause of our problem. If we see crowded teeth or we see the bites not quite right, address the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination. That really should be the top three things we're focusing on instead of staring at the teeth that might be out of position. Let's look at the arch form, the arch width, and the buccal lingual inclination, and then apply that problem consequence solution model on your very next patient and really all of the patients you're going to see from this day forward. And I encourage you to reach out to your territory manager for tools and perhaps to set up a role play because they are a valuable wealth of information for you and can help you and your office get rolling with some of these tools that you'll need to implement this. I also encourage you to watch some of our archived ATEs on the doctor site. One of my favorites is Dr. Moralia's Periodontal Improvements. And I encourage you as a team to watch the hygiene series part one and two because it really goes into detail about these conversations and how to get your patients on board. And also in every office, the doctor and the hygienist need to unite and work together in implementing the orthodontic protocols that are absolutely essential in a GP practice. Once we started to do that, it kind of takes a life of its own. And I have to say, in a short time, the hygienist really became the driver of the whole thing. Right now, I'm almost second fiddle. I sit back, I just watch and learn, and I see how they relate to the patients and have those conversations. And by the time the patient gets to me, they're really fully prepped to have that Invisalign conversation and then agree or accept the treatment. Now, we also want to share the perio-ortho restorative approach with the team because if our team, meaning everyone in the office, whether it's from all of our staff, the hygiene, the, the assistants, our financial managers, everybody in the practice is a team player and Invisalign is a team sport. And so if you share with your staff the comprehensive care approach with perio-ortho and restorative all wound up into one thing for your patient, then you're going to have a team that's much more on board with the conversations that they each have with the patients. So after viewing some of these cases, ask yourself, how many of my patients would benefit from proper tooth alignment? And I think you'll see that there are a lot of patients who would benefit from proper tooth alignment in your practice with Invisalign therapy. So thank you so much for your attention today. And thank you, Dr. Moralia, for joining us and for presenting your cases. It was a pleasure presenting with you as I knew it would be. Uh, thank you for your kind words, Lauren. It's always a pleasure co-presenting with you. And thank everyone also for your kind attention.